Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. My name is Stacey and I'm so excited that you are joining me for season two of this podcast where we talk all things living a prophetic life. We have so many great conversations coming up, all purpose to equip and inspire you and to get you thinking about how God might be speaking to you and through you today. Yes, you. So let's go. Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast Season 2. To kick off this brand new season, we are going on an 11 episode journey where we answer one of life's most defining questions. What is worship to you? Is it slow songs during a church service? Is it only for people who can sing? What if worship was more than a song and more than an experience within the four walls of the church? What if there was more to worship even than what we have experienced so far? What if we could unlock the fullness of worship and see it transform our everyday lives? These are the questions that Stacey tackles in her first book, Worship Is. These are also the questions we will tackle in this collection. And available to you today, as valued listeners of the Prophetic Collective, is a very special offer. Head to stacyhillier.com and purchase your very own copy of Worship Is using the code PROPHETICCOLLECTIVE, all in caps, and you will get free express postage. Also available to podcast listeners is a free workbook that you can complete as you join in this Worship Is collection. Designed to be used with both the book and podcast collection, you can download your free copy at stacyhillier.com under the free resources tab. Well, hi everyone and welcome back. Today in episode two, our topic is worship is medicine. And as mentioned, you can follow along in the book and the free workbook, and you've just heard all the ways that you can access that. Now, if you haven't listened to episode one, I encourage you to go back and do that because it lays the biblical foundation for the rest of our series. And I had a fabulous guest with me and I know you'll love it. I also know your worship life will grow, whether you consider yourself a singer or musician. And as I said last week, you can't live a prophetic life if you're not living a worshipping life. It just doesn't work. So I encourage you to check it out. I love what John A. Logan said. He said, music is the medicine of the mind. And this has certainly been my life story. Basically, for as long as I can remember, music has been a calming and inspiring influence in my life. I can recall, just like it was yesterday, laying down on the floor of my parents' home in Kerrang, Victoria, and pressing my ear up against this silver-flecked velvet material that was my parents' record player speakers. And I would lay there and weep at the beauty of a chess track (laughs) or Mozart or my dad's favorite that would get me moving, which was the Rolling Stones. Music has the ability to move me and you in a very special way. I grew up surrounded by music. My mother was a piano teacher. My dad was a guitar player who loved to sing Redback on the Toilet Seat. That was his starring number. And mum led a children's choir and church music team. So I was surrounded by music. But that may not be your story today. Hang in there because music is medicine to you too. You don't have to be able to play it. If you can just listen to it, you can have your medicine today. Music is a deeply spiritual thing. Joel mentioned on our episode last week how he loves that music bypasses our intellect 
our conscious, analytical and skeptical thought processes and journeys straight to our hearts and spirits, producing responses from joy to sadness, longing to memory. And God made us and music this way. Let's open the scriptures together. In Psalm 42, 7, we read deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. And this song or this psalm was written by the sons of Korah. And they led praise and worship. They were, in fact, the temple singers from the tribe of Levi. And they wrote many of the psalms that we use in our worship lives today. And they understood, like I have lived, that music can reach to depths that sometimes we live unconscious of. It's deep calling to deep. It's spirit connecting with spirit. You know, just after I was about five years old, just five, my parents packed up all of our stuff and we moved our family to Brisbane so that my dad could attend Bible college. Now, at the time, Brisbane was where the best Baptist Bible college was. So off we all went. And we arrived literally just a few days before I started primary school. Now, this was huge for me because we moved from a town that was smaller than my new primary school. Catch that. The town I was born in and raised in till I was five was smaller than my new primary school. And so I found the experience of assimilating to a new environment, especially school, completely overwhelming. Now, my dad would walk me to school in the morning with my little sister, Aston, in the pram, and I would weep. I mean, like we're talking here, Oscar winning performance, but it was very real to me. I would scream. I would kick and punch my teacher as my dad, who was my security, the only thing familiar to me, walked away. And this is actually where my journey with anxiety began. I don't often share about this, but because of the power of worship as medicine, and that being one of the ways I caption worship, worship is medicine, I'm sharing this story with you today, and I have had to learn to manage anxiety throughout different seasons in my life. And so over the next few weeks, here I was as this five-year-old with my teacher, whose name was Mrs. Taylor. She was black and blue because I scratched her up. She was scratched up and fed up (laughs) as this tiny little girl fought every single morning to stay with what was familiar. I was terrified. I was scared. I was anxious. And so a few weeks in when nothing was working and I was still putting on this little performance every morning, I was not sleeping. My stomach was in knots about having to go to school the next day. I became like a different person. And so this teacher came up with a new strategy. They provided a small corner of the room with headphones just for me. There were some cushions and a no access sign for all other children. This space was just for me. And this was my place to escape. I would listen to music and then enter the classroom when I was ready. And this time actually became to me as a little five-year-old completely sacred. I would escape as I put those headphones on and listen to the music. My sobbing would quiet and my breath would uh, slow down. And I would escape back to my old house. I would imagine I had an angel with me. I would imagine Jesus was standing with me. I would imagine that my dad came back or my sister came to school with me. The music transported me and it healed me and it ministered peace to my anxious heart 
and it still does so today. And over time, I would spend less and less time in that corner until eventually I became a confident contributor to the classroom, all empowered by musical medicine. So when I caption, worship is medicine, that is the testimony of my life. And it's one of the greatest privileges of my life today as a fully grown woman to be able to administer musical medicine to other people and to invite them into this reality that worship can heal you from the inside out. I want you to pause and think about the power of music in your own life for a moment. Music can be like a timestamp for milestones in our lives, like our first kiss, our first school dance, our favorite worship song, the songs your parents used to sing in the car, our grandparents humming as they worked and we followed, encounters with Jesus, they're all marked with melody and lyric. And the moment you hear them, you can be transported back 20, 30 years. You can feel the pain, all the emotions that went with the moment that you were time-stamped with that melody and that music. Songs can make us laugh and cry. And when melody and lyric come together, the melody elevates the story of the lyric to a depth and height that words alone fail to access. Remember last week, Joel and I talked about Zamar which was the worship practice of the Israelites when they would use melody without words, whether with a voice or on an instrument, to worship God on stringed instruments and with their voices. Melody is powerful. And there was a man in the Bible who was known for his heart and his skill in worship, who understood worship is medicine for ourselves and for others. And his name was King David. And you can read his story in uh, 1 Samuel. And he actually wrote over half of the Psalms. And David was anointed and chosen as king when he was still a boy. He was about 15 when he was overlooked by his earthly father, but chosen by the good father to become the next king. And he would take his instrument with him at the age of 15 while he looked after the sheep as a shepherd boy and he would perfect his skill and grow his history with God in the paddocks of nowhere. David was a worshipper in the hidden place who ministered to God and to himself. And in the process, he actually became really, really good at it. Interestingly, back in season one, you would have heard the story of the friend I had on last week, Joel. This was his story. He was in the middle of nowhere in the UK, ministering to God and to himself through Zamar, playing his instrument, and he too became very, very good at it. Now, David became so good at it that others began to notice, and he got a reputation for being very good at playing his instrument, and the Bible tells us that. Now, meanwhile, the current king, Saul, was quietly losing his mind in the palace. When I read this account in scripture in 1 Samuel of Saul and David, so David's anointed at 15, but he doesn't immediately start to uh, step into the role as king. God anoints him in secret, and it's, it's a long period of time before he actually becomes king. So meanwhile, we've got who I imagine to be like the angry Snickers man, Saul, losing his mind in the palace. So what had happened was the spirit of God had departed from Saul after an act of disobedience and due to his inability to serve God wholeheartedly. So this dude, he was only kinging for like two years and he committed his first act of disobedience, which displeased God. 
and also really made Prophet Samuel quite angry. And it was the Prophet Samuel who had anointed Saul as king when the people were like, we want a king like everybody else. And Samuel was like, really? You don't need one. And God was like, really? They don't need one. But because they kept on asking and carrying on about it, God told Samuel to anoint Saul as king. Now Saul tried to take the timing of circumstances into his own hands, which was essentially the downfall of his leadership. It's very challenging, right? Because how many times do we take the timing of things into our own hands? Then Saul was given some very strict and specific instructions by God in regards to defeating the Amalekites, and he did not follow them. And this was like the nail in the coffin. Even though God had decided that Saul was disqualified from being king in the first action, he still told him to go and defeat the Amalekites. But not only did God remove the kingship from him, the greater loss was that God took his spirit from Saul. And you can read that in 1 Samuel 16, 12 to 13. I think it's one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. In your workbook, you'll read that. Um, and in the book, we talk about the parallel of this, of when David talks about God can do anything, but don't take his spirit from me. And that was because David saw Saul with the spirit and without the spirit. And he knew it was literally the worst thing that could happen to you. In the book, I write about the season where I lived without the spirit, where I rejected God's voice because of some damage that had been done to me um, through the church or some perceived hurt I felt. We'll talk about that in a future episode. But I, like Saul, became delusional and erratic. My anxiety came back hardcore. Saul was hard to live with when the spirit departed from him and his servants needed a solution because he was delusional, erratic, snickers, angry man times a million. And this is where the reputation as a skilled worshipper of David, someone able to administer Zamar, comes into focus. One of Saul's servants had heard about David's ministry, that he'd been plucking away on his little harp in the background in the fields of nowhere. And so David was brought to the palace to administer some musical medicine to Saul. So someone here in the picture, one of these servants had heard David play and probably experienced the fact that it calmed him and ministered to him and thought, you know what, Saul's a crazy man right now. I reckon what helped me might help him. And so the scriptures tell us that when Saul would go into his rages and delusions, David would play to him and it would calm him and soothe him exactly what would happen to me in the corner of that room in the morning. You see, when the spirit was removed from Saul, the Bible tells us that it rushed on David. Those verses are right beside each other. And so we can see here that Saul was grieving the spirit and David was now carrying it and hosting it. So when David ministered from this place to Saul, it soothed I believe, transported him back to a time where the Spirit spoke to him, comforted him, and led him. And David's worship was medicine to Saul. You see, when music is administered by an anointed vessel that is yielded to God like David was, like you heard Joel was last week, it is no longer simply music. It becomes worship, and worship heals. Think about how many times you've felt healed comforted, given perspective and new life in worship. It is powerful spiritually and emotionally. In fact, it's also powerful physiologically. And for the next few minutes, we're going to explore how. Don't go anywhere because this is going to blow your mind. To help me unpack this, I'm going to introduce you to a very special guest whose name 
is Hilary. And Hilary is a musical therapist. And today we have the privilege of having her teach us about music truly being medicine. All of that when we come back. So don't go anywhere. Did you know that Stacy also has a guided prayer podcast? Contemplative prayer is a rich, deep and rewarding way to encounter Jesus and the scriptures. With instrumental scores written to empower your encounters with Jesus, these prayers are a chance to be still and to step out of the hustle of today's fast-paced world. Available wherever you get your podcasts by searching Guided Prayers with Stacey Hillier. Well, welcome, Hillary. I am so glad that you are here. So I want everyone to get to know you. So why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me here. It's so, uh, such an honour to be on your podcast. So thank you so much for asking me. Um, so I am a registered music therapist. I just nearly graduated. Um, and I have wanted to do this since I was 16. So for the last 10 wow. years, I've been working towards this goal of becoming a music therapist. God popped it on my heart um, back then. And so I did my undergrad in psychology and then yeah, my master's in music therapy. Well done. So maybe for those who are listening, they might have never heard of a music therapist. Can you actually explain to people what is a music therapist? What do you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, niche kind of career path. Mm -hmm. So not a lot of people know about what it is. Um, But a music therapist is essentially um, a person who's a trained professional. So we are a therapist, like you would think a psychologist or a counsellor, but we get to use music. That's kind of what sets us apart from everybody else. Um, And the real easy definition is that we use music methods to achieve non-musical goals. So it might be a goal of um, someone learning how to speak after they've had a stroke because speech can be really difficult. And Mm -hmm. so we might do like different singing or vocal exercises to help them develop those muscles. Um, Or it could be a child with autism who wants to learn like uh, emotional regulation or social skills. And so we'll do different music methods um, like improvisation or songwriting or creating playlists to help them with their different goals. That is so cool. And yeah. I'm hoping, Hillary, today to share some information on the science of music. And then you mm. can probably correct me or contribute. <laughs> <laughs> so, music is increasingly being used and considered as an effective inclusion in mainstream therapy as medicine. And there are several evidence-based studies that I totally geek out on, love reading them, that conclude that there are numerous benefits for our well-being, for our health, even for the healing process and our brain function simply Mm. by listening to music, which is so cool. Can you unpack for us what are some of these benefits? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the really cool thing about music is it doesn't just use one area of the brain. So a lot of times when we speak or when we walk, it's just using a really specific area of the brain. But with music, it kind of encompasses everything at one time. We're listening, it evokes memories, we might be moving and dancing to the music. Mm -hmm. And so that in itself brings so much to us. Um, Like I'm sure you've heard of stories of people who have dementia or Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. who don't talk, who don't interact with anyone, and then a music from their childhood comes on and they start singing along and expressing emotion. It's because that triggers those areas in the brain that aren't triggered any other way. Hang on, hang on. I actually haven't heard that before. Oh, really? (laughs) No, I haven't. That is so cool. I actually talk about in the podcast and in the book Mm -hmm. about how it's like music can be like a timestamp. 
that transports you back in time. So that is something you're actually seeing in patients with Alzheimer's? 100%. Yeah, definitely. that is so cool. So the memories might not come up in other ways, but they're like, it's like they're transported to that world. So they'll, they'll act childlike if the music was from their childhood or they'll start dancing along like the dancers they used to be at um, because it really takes them into that world that they used to be in. It evokes really strong memories. I hope my kids listen to this because um, when Africa comes on, the moment those drums start, I dance. I don't care where I am. So I'll just tell them I have a highly functioning brain. Can you just agree that that's correct? Oh, definitely. So, Hilary, I've read one study where music has been used to treat stroke victims, preterm babies, even in emergency departments to calm anxiety. Can you teach us a bit more about how music makes makes a difference in some of these cases? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, particularly in the neonatal intensive care unit. So like that's a NICU when we shorten it, I'll just say that for ease. Um, But like often these environments, they're really high stress environments for babies. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're even louder than like air traffic control. Like it's a really, really loud environment. There's so much going on. And so it can bring so much stress to infants who um, are premature or they're really ill. And so music in that circumstance can actually bring something um, to this child that can be so calming for them um, and really help them to come at ease. And like if you think about it, right, they've just come from the womb, which is such a sheltered and um, careful environment and like their heart, they hear the mum's heartbeat. And so everything is really rhythmic. And Mm -hmm. so what we can do is bring in that rhythm for them. So we'll use the rhythm of the mum's voice or the dad's wow. voice and they can sing or talk to the baby as wow. well as like actually physically touching them and helping them to get the rhythm back into their kind of body and wow. it really regulates their body and helps them to not freak out as much I guess with all the sounds that are going on. That is so cool. I was reading about this new thing they're doing in the US, I think it was in New York, where they're making available to people who presented an emergency department they have to wait They'll give them um, a set of headphones and there's some music on that they can listen to um, that helps calm them and begins even the healing process in their body while they wait to see a doctor. It is so cool. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about science for a moment, which ultimately is talking about God. In a nutshell, which you can expand on in a moment, Hills, there is a change in our brain when we listen to music and neuroscientists have documented that the band of nerve fibers that connect the left and right hemisphere of our brain, which is called the corpus callosum, or is it colossum? Which one is it? Cool. One of those. (laughs) (laughs) Is thickened as a result of a healthy dose of musical medicine. So this is the connective area of the brain that allows the two sides of the brain to communicate effectively. And as far as researchers can tell, there is no other human activity that engages as many parts of the brain, which you just mentioned, as listening to or participating in music. I just want to take a moment, have a little moment, because, I mean, are you serious? God gives us this gift of music and actually uses it to connect the hemispheres of our brain to get everything communicating, firing and working Mm -hmm. in full health. Hilary, can you share a story maybe of a patient or a client where you've actually seen this solution or science from God really do its thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I agree. I totally am so amazed (laughs) at how God has created this. Um, It's really exciting. So I had one um, client who 
was diagnosed with schizophrenia. So that's um, when you hear delusions or have delusions or you hear voices. Um, right. And it can be really hard because it's, it's hard to know what's real and yes. what's in your head. Yeah. Um, and she was very musical and right. was really motivated by music. So music therapy mm-hmm. was great for her. And we ended up doing a lot of songwriting. Mm. And in our moments, um, in our sessions, we would do improvisation. So we'd just have some chords that we would play Mm -hmm. and then we'd sing on top of it. And in these moments, um, just as I felt led by the Holy Spirit, I would sometimes actually sing in tongues (laughs) and I would be able to sing over my patients. And obviously this isn't a trained music therapy thing, but from my heart, I was like, there's a moment that the Holy Spirit can break something in here. Um, And so that was really special for me to be able to bring that side of my life within a therapy room. Um, But also just the power of music in those moments. Like we would just vocalize and sing. And then I would ask her to sing whatever came to her mind. And through that, she was able to process this experience that she had with schizophrenia. And out of that would birth a song. And so she would write about these really deep and meaningful things that happened to her. Um, and through that experience, process this quite traumatic experience that she had last year. Far out. It's almost like auditory journaling, what she was doing, yeah, auditory processing. Definitely. It's brilliant. You know, mm. I love what you just mentioned there about singing in the spirit because if we couple the research that's done about glossolalia, which is praying in tongues, and yeah. couple that with the research done about what happens in the brain when it engages, even in just listening to music, um, when we put singing in the spirit together, we actually increase our immunity by up to 40%. Mm. Um, And we also see, again, two unique chemicals fired off by the brain that increase that immunity and a general sense of well-being that isn't released in any other human activity other than speaking in tongues. So So if you think about what's happening when you sing in the spirit, you're activating Mm. all areas of the brain in a way that nothing else does. You're firing off a cocktail of two chemicals that increases your well-being and your immunity as well as accessing the mind of Christ in the (laughs) spiritual realm. I mean, flip. Can we just do that? mind blown emoji right now (laughs) totally yeah well Hillary I want to thank you so much for being with us today because I just wanted people to hear how amazing God has wired us and what he can do through worship and through music and I love doing life with you and I'm so inspired by you so thanks for joining us today thank you so much for having me So welcome. So I want to conclude today this way I want to invite you to close your eyes unless you're driving so that you can just really take what I'm about to say in, in its fullness. Our creative God has provided you and I with the beautiful and the powerful art form of music and melody, and he has crafted it in such a way that it can heal us and redeem us from the fallenness, the brokenness, the sickness, and the disease of this world from the inside out. And it follows that when this art form is understood, when it's redeemed, sanctified, anointed, and directed to our creator, its power becomes even more potent for us as individuals and for those around us who may have the privilege, we may have the privilege of ministering to. The worship we engage in has a holistic healing effect on us. When we direct our hearts to God, rather than focusing on ourselves when we sing, It can bring us perspective. It keeps our minds and hearts focused on what truly matters and who we truly are. When we worship, we are healed, body, mind, and spirit. 
So don't you ever let anyone tell you that worship is the warm-up in your church gathering or your life group or that it doesn't matter in your personal life because worship changes you physiologically, biologically, and spiritually. Worship is medicine. So I want to ask you a question. Have you had your medicine today? Now, if you are following along with the workbook, Complete those exercises now and for our listeners as well, I want to encourage you to think about how you could use the gift of music to bring peace and calm into your home this week. Perhaps at that stressful hour, you know, when you're getting dinner ready and everyone's arriving home and doing all the things, you could use the gift of music to bring peace and calm into your home. We uh, called that and we talked about this in Worship is Biblical. That's called Zamar. That's instrumental music that will minister to you. It's what David ministered to Saul about. We spoke about that earlier. Perhaps if you struggle to sleep, let music be your medicine. As you study the word and you pray this week, put some music on. Now in the workbook, I've suggested you use Numa Worship Stillness album to do this. It will give you a link and it takes me straight to the throne room every single time and I know it will do that for you to do, for you too. So here is a prophetic challenge for you. Why don't you take one of the prophetic passages from scripture this week? You could choose Isaiah, you could choose one of David's Psalms, you could look at Revelation, Jeremiah. Why don't you simply put a melody to it? Sing a psalm. Remember, you don't have to be a great singer. Don't put down your weapon. Sing a psalm. Add the power of melody to the prophecy and watch how deep cries to deep. Well, that is it from me today. Again, thank you so much to my guest, Hilary. I can't wait to join you next week where we talk about worship being our weapon. Bye.